our Bible studies and Jack's dad uh, we used to play volleyball and I didn't think too much of him back then that is Jack's dad and uh, so I was teaching a EMT course Jack shows up in the EMT course I thought oh Jack Jack's one of these guys you know he always had this look like I don't want to miss anything you know kind of thing kind of nice kind of guy to have in the class and willing to do this and do that and go above and beyond so anyway uh, had some friends at the church and uh, man Jack showed up church I thought, wow Jackson church hmm it's interesting so anyway next thing you know Jack made a profession of faith and uh, he's graduating from high school going in the military oh man just a young Christian going in the military he doesn't stand much of a chance Goes to the military, gets stationed in Germany, finds a good church, grows, comes back here stronger than when he left as a Christian. Torn between going to the University of Maine and going to Bible college. One day we rode down here on a motorcycle, Jack and I, to visit Dick, have a talk about these things. Dick gave some advice, always good advice, huh? Went to Bible college. Went down one time to him, something that was going on there, and he said, I've got a girl I'd like you to meet. Sandy. Jack needed Sandy. Amen. Lord brought them together. Graduated, went on, got his degree. Off to Russia. Back home, pastoring. Teaching at the Bible school. Here, you know, you look at somebody like that and you say, you know, yeah, <laughs> see, that's the real thing. It's the real thing. Yeah, nice, huh? So anyway, we're talking this morning about creeps. I told him I had a doctorate in creepology. Yeah, wasn't spelled right. It was close. <laughs> okay. Do whatever you want with it, tell you the truth. So anyway, we we're talking about that. And I was thinking about it because I was, you know, you'd like to talk about the mercy of God and the grace of God and the long suffering of God and the kindness of God, and you'd like to talk about heaven and you'd like to talk about all that kind of thing, which is good stuff. But it's like Jude, you know, he said, "I really got to bring this up because we've got a battle here." We got to struggle, and uh, we found that in verse three. There we go. Not quite as fast as Sam, but you're getting there. No, it was me. Oh, it was you? I put it on here. Yeah. Oh, you did. I did. So yeah, I'll talk to you. Oh, okay. We're good. Brad, you take over. He says, uh, "Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation." I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. The word contend is a very strong word in the Greek. It means to struggle. It means a, it means a warfare. It means a conflict. There's just a lot of things involved in that. Not long ago, uh, somebody told me, they said... Uh, you know, Gary, I don't think I have another fight in me. Oh. 
That's not a good place to be because there will be another fight. It's always been a fight. It's always been a struggle. Uh, the Bible calls it a warfare. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, it requires all the energy that you can muster. That's that word contend. He said we, we got to contend with this. Contend earnestly for the faith. When I was uh, in college in the University of Maine, Fort Kent, uh, we used to have to go to phys ed back then. They don't do that anymore. It was ridiculous. But anyway, uh, back then you had to have a, a credit in, in phys ed. So I was in phys ed college, freshman college. And the first day, the, the, the director of that program was down there, and we were on these bleachers, and he, about 50 guys, and he was explaining the rules for phys ed. And he said, uh, there'll be no fighting. I won't put up with that. And he said, uh, if you want to fight, he said, you go up the river about 30 miles, and there's a little town called Elagash, and you walk down the street, and you'll get in a fight. Well, I was the only one from Elagash. And some of the guys knew I was from Elagash. And this is my first day of class. Put my hand up. He looked up at me. He said, you're from Elagash. I said, that's right. I thought, well, we might as well get over with right now. He said, am I right? I said, you're right. I don't think he liked that. So anyway, we're in for Zed, and we're doing different things. And this day, we're having wrestling. Now, I never wrestled. I played basketball. You run down the court. You shoot the ball. You run up the court. You run down the court. And I could do that. And I was accustomed to that. But I never wrestled. I didn't know anything about wrestling. And you have to understand that I'm six foot one. I weigh about 140 pounds. I don't have a muscle in my body anywhere. He hooks me up with this Frenchman. That's about five foot two, both ways. <laughs> and when he got done with me, I looked like a pretzel. I didn't know you could make that many knots out of somebody. But I learned something about wrestling. It takes a lot of energy in a very short period of time. I did not like wrestling. But that's what wrestling is. That's a term that Paul used to describe the Christian experience. Here is talk about talking about contending for the faith. This is a, this is a, as much a part of our experience as a Christian, as a police officer wearing a revolver on his side, as part or as his vest or his badge we have to contend for the faith as Christians because if we don't what's the alternative no really what's the alternative so then he goes on and describes the, the creeps I think that we find that in verse 4 that these people who are coming in and trying to destroy what we have are creepy they're creeps 
For certain men have crept in, unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They creep in and they're destructive. It takes a while to understand what's going on. Now, down through that passage in Jude, seven times he uses the pronoun these, and he references what it means. The first one we found was in verse 7, where he likened them to Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in similar manner to these. Similar manner to these. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah had an influence on the other cities that were surrounding them. But they also had an influence on anybody who came into their net. And it wasn't an influence for good, but it was an influence for evil. And when Lot came there with his daughters, he lost some of them there. They never came out of there. And the two that came out of there, and this is the statement I gave you this morning, you can get the girls out of Sodom, but you can't get Sodom out of the girls. Now, we're talking about creeps. And the thing with creeps is the fact that they lower your spiritual temperature. They don't encourage you in the faith. They discourage you in the faith. They don't build up believers, but they tear down believers. But remember, they're creeps. They're very, very subtle. I had a good dinner today. I had a really good dinner today. Because somebody else paid for it. It always tastes better when somebody else pays for it. But somebody was telling me about a person they had gone out to eat with. and what, This person thought they were being invited out to eat with them. So, you know, if you invite somebody out to eat, you'd pay for it, right? So I say, Jack, let's go have lunch together. So we go have lunch together. I pay for the lunch because I invited him out. Well, that's what they thought. So he got there. Bill came around. Gave him the bill. I said to him, because later on it became a problem, I said, didn't that tell you something? You know, didn't you kind of pick up on that? You see, you have to pick up on what a creep will do. They're uh, destructive, but their characteristics come through and will be seen. Verse 8. Likewise also, and what's our? These. Likewise these. Dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. They're dreamers. You know, they don't have a, a, a biblical foundation, a biblical understanding of life, of scripture, but they kind of make it up as they go along. I was watching Christian TV before I came down here just to get a message. So I just, I flick through, you know, I surf through and listen to these people. So this guy's there and he says, now listen, I'm going to reach right through the camera lens to you and I'm going to heal you of all your diseases 
And it was amazing what he was going to do to me right through the lens of that camera. Don't you think he's dreaming? Do you think what he has to say lines up with what the Word of God has to say? No, he's a dreamer. These are dreamers. Trying to get to where we left off here. Verse 10. I like this one. But these speak evil of whatever, whatever they do not know. Whatever they do not know. Uh, one time uh, I was mowing the lawn and a car came up, two people in the car got out and a fellow came over to where I was and I thought, the Jehovah Witnesses. So he came over, he had the Bible and he said, I'd like to talk to you about the Bible. I said, good. I said, I'm glad. I said, I, I got some questions about the Bible I'd like to ask. Well, he, whoa, this is going to be good. So he says to me, he said, uh, well, what's your question? I said, I'd like to know how many books there are in the Bible. Simple question, isn't it? He didn't know. Now he drove all the way to Eagle Lake. He drove up the hill. He came to where I was. He had the Bible under his arm. He came to me to tell me something about the Bible. He didn't know how many books were in the Bible. How would you like to have a doctor like that? Huh? How would you like to have a, an engineer building your bridges like that? The Bible is our source of all things. You really need to know your Bible. They don't. They don't know their Bible. They know how to cause trouble. They know how to bring division. They maybe have a few verses here and there. But it's not for good. It's for evil. Now, this is where we pick it up. Verse 12. These are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water carried about by the winds. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. These are spots in your love feasts. Now the word spot is not like, uh, you know, when we were in the first grade, we had Dick and Jane and Puff and Spot. Now, not that kind of spot. These spots are, it's like uh, when you're on the water and there might be a, a rock or something that's just below the surface of the water. Not enough to really see, but it's, it's there. And you're going along in a watercraft and you hit that spot. Boom. He said, in your feast. See, the early church had this feast where, you know, it's had this meal. People would get together. I'd like to, you know, if Jack leaves here and goes to a bigger church, I'd like to put my name in here. Because I like the fact that you have a place there for believers to meet together, to eat together. There's nothing like, there's nothing like building a, a family atmosphere around food. Now, reading uh, Corinthians this morning, just before the passage you read this morning, it People were coming there just to stuff their face. You know, people were coming there to commit gluttony, 
get drunk and all kinds of crazy stuff. They took something that was good and they were making it evil. How does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen quickly. It happens gradually. It's an influence that just kind of comes in and before long it's hard to straighten it out. But for believers to meet together around a meal that's centered in the person of Jesus Christ, where the talk is about Christ and what he has done for the, the spiritual family, it's quite a thing. I remember my brothers coming home from the military, uh, their first leave, and they were together, two brothers. And mother, I think this was Christmas time, because mother had this big meal. And we're all gathered around that as a family. I mean, you look back at that, that's like one of the special times in your, your life. We're a family. We're sitting around, eating together. We have our name in common. That's a great thing. But these people, they ruined that. Spots in your feasts. Took away from that what it was meant to be. That's a tragic thing. You know, you drive through the state of Maine, I'm sure like a lot of states, and you, you see churches in there. I mean, they're just buildings, but you, you look at them and they're kind of, you know, nobody lives there anymore. They're not being used. And you think to yourself, I wonder what happened there. You know, it looked like one time that was a, a growing, a going concern, and something happened and it just all fell apart. There are missions that go into closed churches and try to revive them. I say, good luck with that. Uh, what a work that would be. It's best to keep it when you have it because if you lose it, pretty slim chance of getting it back. But something happened. I wonder if the creeps got in there. I wonder if they took away from what it was supposed to be. The dreamers. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. Only themselves. Every once in a while, somebody will come to Eagle Lake. Like, they'll move into town, Eagle Lake. And uh, I've been in Eagle Lake for 36 years. And I've learned this. If I come into contact with them and we're carrying on a conversation, I always say, why did you move to Eagle Lake? You know, are you in the witness protection program? <laughs> you know, running away from something? I mean, I moved to Eagle Lake because God called us to Eagle Lake. I didn't drive by Eagle Lake, and I'm sorry, some of you grew up there, but I didn't drive by and say, wow, I want to live here. There are people that come to our church. One time there was a couple, they were stuck on the road coming up the church. And I was in the wintertime, got them out of the road, they got there, came to the church, and a uh, man and a woman, and she said, God led us here. And I thought, I don't think so. No, I think it's myself, I think it's a different spirit that led you here. Yeah, it was a different spirit that led them there. That didn't last too long. No, no. Why are you here? Now, once in a while, 
People do, because they know there's great hunting and great fishing, and it's a beautiful place to live. They'll move in there, and they'll come in. They'll be a part of the work. And it was meant to be. But so many times I've been burnt. I'm more in tune to creeps. Maybe because I'm getting older too. Maybe because I know more about the scripture. Maybe because I realize, you know, we cannot let down our guard. You know, we have to call it what it is. Ah, you have to be nice to everybody. You have to love everybody. I realize that. But you also have to be truthful and honest. You also have to stand up. Because look what it says. They have no fear. They have no fear of God. They have no fear of breaking relationships with other people. They have no fear of consequences. If it falls apart here, which they're hoping it does, they can just pack up and go somewhere else and make it fall apart there. That's why I say, you know, if you're looking for a pastor, somebody blows in, they have a really good message. That's the guy. You think? I mean, I've been doing this for 41 years. I do have one good message. If I could just preach to 100 different churches, they'd all think it was great. Go back to where they came from. Talk to their neighbors. Talk to the people in the church where they pastored before. Go to the school they attended. Talk to their teachers. Get a feel of who they really are. Because it's an avenue that a lot of creeps use to get into churches and destroy churches. If they've destroyed the last three churches, what are the odds they're going to destroy your church? Pretty good. I know it's getting dark and it's hard to talk about creeps when you've got that kind of atmosphere. But it should cause us to think, shouldn't it? Look at them. Look at that verse. Clouds without water. Mr. Robbins was from Western Canada. And Mr. Robbins was a young man during the Dust Bowl back in the 30s. And Mr. Robbins used to describe for us what it was like when for years it didn't rain. Crops didn't grow. Just dust. He said big black clouds would come rolling over the plains of Western Canada. And people would think, man, look at those big black clouds. It's going to rain. And it didn't rain. They just went on through. They didn't produce anything. Nothing. What are clouds supposed to do? They're supposed to produce rain. Make things grow. Help thirsty people. That's what they're supposed to do. I like Christians who have, over the decades, quarter century, half a century, have been a source of refreshing and encouragement to the church of God. They're stable. 
We look up to those people. I was so blessed when I was a young Christian. I was in Bible college and we were down to a little church in Eel River and say pastoring a church. I use that very loosely. They put up with me there. They may believe what I said was making sense. And uh, there was a couple there and they were in their 80s and they loved the Lord. And uh, we learned more from them. Now we had some great teachers at school. But I want to tell you the, the practical everyday life we learned from that old couple. We were in their home one day and having a meal and Mrs. Smith got up to do the dishes and Mr. Smith got up and he started helping her do the dishes. Maybe 10, 15 minutes of that and my wife said to Mrs. Smith, does he always do that? Mrs. Smith patted her on the shoulder. She said, he'll come, dear. He'll come. The other day I was helping with the dishes. Paula never forgot that. He'll come, dear. Give him time. They'll come around. Sorry, guys, those of you who don't help your wife with the dishes. So much for that. It might be an argument at the house when you get home, but think about that, you know. We sat there together. We, had, we enjoyed that meal together. Everybody should have been in the dishpan. Everybody should have been helping out. Don't you think? Clouds without water. Carried about by the winds. Look at that. Carried about by the winds. The Bible talks about every wind of doctrine. Every new thing. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day about somebody. Somebody who graduated from Bible college and was going to go on the missions and it looked so good for them. Some doctrine blew in. Blew them away. 30 years later, they're still gone. Out in the wild blue yonder. Can't get along with anybody. It was a wind. Carried about by the winds. Again, just lacking that stability that we want to see in Christians. You're going to hear all kinds of things. What do you believe? Late autumn, no fruit. You know, the time has come for fruit. It's not there. You have this fruit tree. The summer's coming to an end and the fall's here. And winter's approaching and you've put all of your time and effort into that and it's fruitless. What's wrong with this tree? What's wrong with people who've been saved for years, or claim to be saved for years, and there's no fruit? And the fruit that's there is rotten. Can't eat it. What's going on here? Say, don't judge. <laughs> wait a second, don't judge. Now, wait a second. You be careful there, that judge thing. We are to judge. You know, some people say, the kids want to go play in the street. Well, let me go play in the street. I don't want to be a judge of this situation. Are you kidding? I worked for an ambulance service, and somebody told me, they said, we're going to get a call down that street. I said, what do you mean? And I said, get a mother down that street, let her kids play in the street, and every once in a while they get run over. You've got to be kidding. 
Really? What kind of a mother would let their kids play in the street? One that doesn't judge the situation. Of course you've got to judge the situation. We have to judge these things. That's what we're looking at as Christians. We've got to contend with this. We've got to wrestle with this. We've got to struggle with this. This is important. Twice dead. Twice dead. Spiritually dead. Eternally dead. Remember, they come in for a purpose. They're not on the same side we're on. They're on a different side. Verse 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about, what's our pronoun? These. these. Prophesied about these. What are you saying? Enoch prophesied about these? You mean before the church age began? Yeah, long time. Long time before the church age. Listen, before the flood, this goes back a long ways. Enoch said, listen, these will be coming into your facilities, wherever you are. And this is what these will be doing. Enoch prophesied about these men also. He's a unique character back in the Old Testament. There's not a lot said about him, but what is said about him is profound. Enoch had a son, and he called his son Methuselah. And some tell me that Methuselah means when he is dead, it'll come. At that time, probably nobody understood what was meant by that. Methuselah lives to be 969 years old. Now, Tom, if you're tired at 66, think of that having another 900 years to go. You'd have to take better, better care of yourself. When Methuselah died, the flood came. Enoch had a connection with God in relation to future things that other men didn't have. It's said of Enoch, Enoch walked with God. Walked with God. Well, we know the Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? What do you learn when you walk with God? You know, what do you learn? I remember Mr. Dowie, I had the blessing of two years under his ministry, and I learned a lot from Mr. Dowie. And uh, I'll tell you, you didn't go to sleep Mr. Dowie's class. And we had Mr. Dowie come to church every year. And he wasn't like Mr. Robbins, but I learned a lot in Mr. Robbins' class. They had two totally different styles had the privilege of sitting under the ministry of men who walked with God. What a thing. And you, you say, you know, I want to be like that. I, I want to have that kind of relationship with God that those men have. The way they handled the word of God. You knew there was something precious, powerful, that was contained in that book because of their walk with God. Enoch. A 
What's that song? Oh, when the saints go marching in. But you think of that when he returns with all his saints. We win. We're coming back and we're going to claim everything that belongs to us. We certainly don't have that today. We have a piece of it. We have the promises of it. But someday, we're going to return with him. And we're going to have it all. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Wow. Verse 16. First word is our pronoun. These, referring to creeps. creeps. These are grumblers, complainers, walking, after, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. All these things I'm talking about are characteristic of creeps. Number one, here in this verse, grumblers. They're grumblers. You know, you hear this, and, and we can get caught up in this too, but it's not right, but you hear this. It's raining. It's dreary. There's a cold front that's moved in. And people come in and they go, oh, this weather. This weather. We could say this. They might put us in a jacket without any arms. But we could say this. This weather was given to us by our God. And today, our God made a decision. An administrative decision, because he's in charge of everything. He decided that today, in this part of the world, it would be cold and rain. Is that okay? Do you want to grumble about that? By the way, what else do you want to grumble about? Grumble, grumble, grumble. This one's almost like it. It says, complainers. You have to know what the Bible says. You have to know that the children of Israel were down there in Egypt and they were in bondage and they were killing their kids and they were suffering terribly and they didn't stand a chance. They had no way out. And God, God changed that whole situation, gave them an avenue of escape, opened up the sea. They walked over on dry land. The same sea they walked over on dry land when the enemy came to get them. The sea closed up and destroyed their enemy. The same sea gave them escape and destroyed their enemy. And as they're journeying, every night there's this big pillar of fire. Every night, a night light for those afraid of the dark. Every day there's a pillar of cloud. Food falls from heaven. You don't need McDonald's. Shoes don't wear out. They complain. You know what they complain about? It was better in Egypt than it is here. Like the teenagers say, duh. Really? Really, it was better there than here. Maybe you ought to think about that. But they're complainers. 
They complained about the geography. They complained about the food. Tired of the food. Tired of the same course every day. Tired of that. I try not to say anything about food unless I'm asked. I don't like raisins. Now, if somebody, one time I was in a place and, you know, there was uh, no-bake cookies. I love no-bake cookies. Somebody put raisins in no-bake cookie. But, you know what? If they just said, have a cookie, I'd have had a cookie. I'd have eaten it. I mean, I'd have said some things in here, but I'd, I'd eat the cookie because that's what the Bible says. I was at the Smiths. I told you about the Smiths. I'm at the Smiths. They said, we're having, do you like fish? And I said, no. She says, you don't like fish? I said, no, I don't like fish. Oh, she said, well, we're having fish. I said, oh, I'll eat it, but I don't like it. Because you asked me. Now she just said, we're having fish today. So, okay. I had sat down, I had a little bit of fish. I wouldn't like it, but I, I would eat it. So, maybe you would get tired of the manna. But it had everything necessary to preserve life. And it was there every day, and it was right on time, right on schedule. Not every day, it wasn't there the seventh day, but it was there every other day, every day besides that. They complained about that. They complained about the war, they complained about the food. They complained about not being in Egypt. And then they complained about Moses. You see, you have to have a, a presence. You know, you have to have a human form. It's kind of hard to talk to a spirit, you know? So it's Moses. So everything's focused on Moses. Moses is the problem. Moses is not the problem. Why, why complain about Moses? Moses is not the problem. Moses is the solution. Moses is the one that God is working through to bring you to the place where God wants you to be. If you look at it realistically, biblically, God brings into your life people to take you where he wants you to be. Say, yeah, sure, you know, friends, fellow Christians. Yeah, that's right, friends, fellow Christians. Yeah. Enemies too. Don't forget. God's in charge of the, of the whole program. And God brings also your enemies in there to teach you something. And you have to deal with that. Don't be a complainer. Don't grumble. This is your God. He is the author and he's the finisher of your faith. Look at the verse. They walk after their own lusts. They walk after their own lust. Now we have lusts like to eat. We have lusts like to drink. We have lusts like sex. Uh, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here. I remember when I was a young person, just a kid, I was thinking about this, and we had two dogs. One was male and one was female, and the uh, female of course had the pups and I said to my dad one day I said dad how come she needs him to have pups 
And my dad started this long, drawn-out explanation. And I thought to myself, he doesn't know either. <laughs> so there are natural lusts. They're not evil, they're not bad, but they can be if you're drawn away by them. We had a couple, they were friends of ours, and they had a, a boy, and uh, he was a big, big boy. I mean, he was really a big boy. I guess now he's a baseball star. But anyway, he was a big kid. He was like six, eight months old. I can't remember now, but it was just strikingly big. So... Uh, they came to visit, and Jamak said, uh, what's the name of the baby? And she said, Noah. He said, Noah? He looks like the whole ark. <laughs> oh, well, you say what comes to your mind, you know what I mean? But in any case, you can overeat. So you're drawn away from, by your lust. You know, my wife makes this four-layer delight thing. And it's like a tin. And uh, she brings it to family reunions. And that's the first thing that's gone. And I said, now honey, you got to leave some of that home before you take it to them. It's your side of the family here. But I make a big thing over this. The thing is, I could just eat the whole thing. Now my body says, you shouldn't do that. But I could do that. But if I did that, what would, what would I be doing? I'd be drawn away of my own lust. You know, you can drink uh, water, or you can drink Seagram 7. Uh, if you drink Seagram 7, you're being drawn away by your own lust. These are grumblers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. In other words, the Bible's not the guide. It's not the guide. Their emotions, their feelings, their desires, that's the guide. That's not a good guide. That's a bad guide. That's a defective guide. And they mouth great swelling words. Talking about that horse with the bit in its mouth, you said about five and a half inches. There are people that if they had a bit in their mouth, it should be eight and a half inches. Because their mouth is really too big. It's an oversized mouth. I think sometimes preachers are like that. Some preachers, not all. Jack's not like that. Be thankful for that. But I think some preachers, what they lack in knowledge... They try to make up for in volume. Strong. These people had a big mouth. It was all about their mouth. They were using their mouth to accomplish their goals. They mouthed great swelling words. Flattering people to gain advantage. How much more time do I have? I forgot. You got a couple minutes. Oh, man. Okay. That's all I need. Flattering people to gain advantage. 
You know, it's like the salesman knocking at the door. The lady comes and knocks and says, My, you're looking lovely today. She's probably there, her hair's all over the place, the kid's hanging off her, she looks awful. I have a vacuum cleaner I'd like to show you. <laughs> What's he doing? Flattering. They do this. Who does this? Creeps do this. You know, it'd be like this. I'm just using this for an illustration. Jack and I have public exchange. So Jack goes to Eagle Lake, I come here. And uh, so then I go back to Eagle Lake. And Tuesday comes. And somebody comes in on Tuesday just to, for a visit, you know, just to have coffee, talk. So they come in. And uh, how'd it go in Madawaska? Good. Yeah, good group. We had a good time. Blessed. Well, Jack did a great job. Yeah, that's good. I, I thought he would. Oh, no, he, he did a really good job. I want to tell you something. We haven't had a message like that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, Jack, he's, he's articulate, he's, he's, he's well-versed, he's, he's well-studied, you can tell he's prepared. And, uh, it, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's refreshing for us. Uh, okay. Would you like something in your coffee? What are they doing to Jack? At whose expense? They say this, uh, guy David Jeremiah. Now that's a preacher. He's got a book on end times. I think he can tell you who the Antichrist is. He's not a Republican, he's a Democrat. Has to be. But anyway, how come you can't do things like David Jeremiah? It's the kind of language people use. Now I know David Jeremiah. I've been to his church twice. He doesn't know me, but I know him. I saw him there. I went to Alaska on his cruise and all that. You know, it was a good time. He had a good time. You think Jeremiah, uh, David Jeremiah, is going to come and preach in Eagle Lake? You know, I mean, really. You know, you think you're you're putting. I'm not saying this happens. I'm just using this for an illustration. Let's say uh, that Ravi Ravi Zacharias fellow. My, why can't you preach like that? See, because he's got an IQ of 160 and mine's only 120. Duh. <laughs> uh, what are you using these words for? Haven't you run into people like that? Aren't there people like that? And you say, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to do? You see, there are people that build and there are people that tear down. Now, when I was in construction, I was good at tearing down. Couldn't build anything. I could tear stuff down. Loved it. But to build something, it's a whole different thing. We as believers, we should be builders, not destroyers. Creeps are not builders. They're destroyers. Don't let creeps destroy what you have. Don't let them come in and destroy what you have because you got something really, really good. You got good fellowship. God is blessed. You're on the right path. Don't let it slip. And always get done on time. Twice. Oh, you complained again. No. 
That was, uh, amen, that was worth uh, part two because I missed part one. So now I've got to listen to part one again and do that. So, amen, that was great. So, And, uh, you know, I praise the Lord for, for his work and what he's doing and uh, the word of God just penetrating here in the valley and all of that. So, well, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word and for how you've challenged us on this tonight. Lord, I pray you'd give each and every one of us discernment, uh, discernment to see what is really of you and what isn't. Help us, Lord, to stay focused on the Lord Jesus and not to be caught up with every wind of doctrine or fad or whatever else might come our way that so easily distracts us, Lord. And, and I pray, Lord, you'd guard our hearts in these days where there's so much impurity and so many voices that call out to, to drag us off into a, a lesser calling. And so, Lord, I thank you that uh, you have your Bible for us. And even tonight, we've been just reminded afresh from this book of Jude and these verses, Lord. I thank you for that. And I pray for Gary, and I pray for the church at Mountain View Bible uh, Church, and just ask, Lord, you'd continue to work there and build the work, Lord, as you can do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks.